Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. So we're going to be in Revelation chapter 12. And I'm going to try to hit this introductory thought quickly. Some of you, most of you have heard of March Madness. 68 college basketball teams play 67 games in about a month. And uh, I got to see parts of some games this last March. And I just remember a post-game interview with a coach. Maybe there was a player involved. But the reporter asked the coach, who had just had a really big win, uh, so something like, Coach, hey, so now, what, are, what, do we, what do you do now, Coach, after this big win? And the coach, this may not be the exact coach, this is Gonzaga's coach, but he, he, they said something really, really, really close to this. Well, we're going to celebrate this win and start watching tape, videotape, regarding our next opponent. And I remember in the midst of that, I don't know why it stuck out to my brain, like this guy right now was shifting into gears on I need to study our next opponent. Does that make sense? And that it may not be a great starter, but here's the idea. Great success requires an awareness of our enemy. Does that make sense? If you don't like the basketball example, uh, we're a ping pong family. Popes play ping pong. I don't know. We've been playing for, you know, we have a table in our basement. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was playing with my son, Isaac, who's a pretty good ping pong player. And uh, so we were playing, and, and something was happening that was definitely not the Lord's will. My son was beating me. <laughs> and just to be clear, do I love my son? Yes. But while we're playing pong, he is my enemy. All right. <laughs> So we're playing, and, and so he beat me the first two games, which, you know, doesn't happen a lot. And, and I'm like, what's going on here? And I realized if whenever I hit the ball to his right side, he was doing this. And, and I mean, like, oh, he was so on with his right hand spike thing. And so I remember studying and realizing, oh, and I, from that point on, thought, I will never hit the ball to that side of the court again with as much in me, and it helped a little bit. So I don't know, knowing your enemy, knowing what's going on on the other side of the table can help you in your quest to be, does that make sense? Maybe you're a card player and you realize, wait a minute, Mar- Martha is saving spades. And then that can be the key to, aha, now I know, right? No, you didn't like the card. I don't have any good illustrations. I'm doing the best I can, okay. By the way, General Sun Tzu, credited to, with writing a book called The Art of War, says, Know thy enemy and know thyself. In a thousand battles, you will never be defeated. God also encourages us to know, stay aware of our spiritual enemy. In 2 Corinthians 2.10, it's talking about forgiveness, but the writer says, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake in order that Satan 
might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Another verse from 1 Peter 5.8 challenges us to be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, so be alert and of sober mind. The Bible gives us some strategies regarding our spiritual enemy. James 4.7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now for those of you who might be new to uh, Christianity or the Bible or exploring spiritual things, it will be important for you to know, at least from a biblical point of view, that the, uh, from the beginning of the story of humanity, the third chapter in Genesis, which is the first book in the Bible. So three chapters in, there is mention of the spiritual enemy. In that story, it's called the serpent or Satan. All the way, and he is mentioned all the way to three chapters from the very end of the Bible in the book of Revelation. There is reference to a spiritual enemy. Now, whether you believe that or not, I guess that's okay, but from a biblical point of view, it is way more real than sometimes we think. So hold that thought. We're in a series called, Who Told You That? Grappling with popular delusions, and we're going to finish the series today with an exploration of some of the enemy's strategy to mess up our life. Um... Uh, I don't know if we still have enough. They were selling really quick at the Resource Center. We did get a case of a book, uh, Tom Harmon. Some of you will know Tom. He's spoken at the church fairly regularly. He has a book called The Weapons of Our Warfare. And if you're a reader, I would highly recommend this. Uh, It's going to be probably way better than the next 15 minutes of this talk. If you want to get deep on how do you live a life where there is an enemy and how do you... So that's... They were going really quick, so I, uh, and if you wish you could get one, if they're out, just whine and cry and complain, and we'll get more, and we'll do that, okay? Uh, but today we're going to learn from Revelations 12, going to start in verse 7. The context here, the book of Revelation is really a series of visions, uh, word pictures to describe some things that have happened some things that are happening, and some things that will happen in the future. Is it easy to understand? Not for me. But we can still learn some things from even the, the context of today where there's word pictures, and I think we, there are some principles there that we can learn from. So we will start in... The picture is there's a, there's a battle going on between uh, the enemy and, and evil principalities and God and good principalities. So it says in verse 7, War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his his angels with him. 
Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, that's a reference to the enemy, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accused them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Now the next five or so verses talk about the anger of the, the devil because he's been thrown down, the power of Jesus Christ and the gospel and the church. And then it finishes in verse 17 where it says, Then the dragon, again that's a reference to the enemy or Satan, was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. Those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. So the title of the talk this weekend is, Who Told You the Devil Isn't Real? And going to try to give you a couple, identify a couple strategies that the enemy will use to mess up our day, our life. Does that make sense? Let me pray. Father, help. Help us. Uh, some of these things we probably are aware of. There could be some new ideas in the room for some of us or online. Um, but every, every one of us, I think, every one of us, we would like to win. <laughs> We'd like to win at life. And uh, so help us to know a little bit about the enemy of our life uh, so that we can win more. In Jesus' name, amen. Two things I see in the text that can be helpful. The first one is, our enemy attacks with an abundance of, biggest word I've used in a long time here at the vineyard, prosecutorial, <laughs> that's awesome, lies. Prosecutorial, there's a reason I use that big old word. If you don't like the word, you know, because that's just too hard to spell, you could write down false accusation. But prosecutorial lies, I used it because of verse 10 where it says, the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night. The word, that word for accuser in the original language, it means to charge or prosecute, prosecutorial, right? Also, the other thing that's part of this picture is this, the fact that he's, he does this day and night. And so those words, it means from sunrise, early in the morning, to sunset, and all through the evening and nighttime. And so I was thinking about this word picture of the enemy, and I thought of, and this might be helpful, if you can imagine a very aggressive, irritating attorney. Now, if you're an attorney, we like you, we think. We like you. But I want, it might be hard for some of us, for some of us. Now, if you can imagine one who is overly aggressive and perhaps uh, 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 irritating, um, so it might look something like this. So he would be the kind of attorney who would say, where were you on the Sunday of May 23rd? Is that today? today? The Sunday of May 23rd, where were you? Sunday morning, May 23rd. And you would say, well, I was at the Vineyard Church. And then he would say, were you really? 
well, yeah, is there anyone there who can corroborate your story? Well, yeah, I could, but were you paying attention? Or were you just drinking the coffee? Or, right, well, no, I actually had some coffee, and then they would say, did you have, you know, he might say, did you have creamer? Well, yeah, aren't you lactose intolerant? <laughs> and would, I know this is goofy, but would pick and, and pick and, does that make sense? Like, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, there is this aggressive accusation, oh, and by the way, and it's all of the, all of the, uh, the, the source of the accusation comes from not the truth, but from a lying perspective. This is important to know. In John 8:44, talking about the enemy, says he was a murderer from the beginning. There is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language. So to sum it up, he is a lying, irritating prosecutor who picks, 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 picks at your life or picks at the details going on, and he'll do it 24 hours a day. So here's the idea. It may not be perfect, but it's a fill in the blank. The enemy of our soul is trying to ruin our day with an unending barrage of negativity. The enemy of our soul. Ooh, and it may not just be the enemy of our soul. The enemy of your friendships, the enemy of your finances, the enemy of your relationships, the enemy of your spiritual life. The et but it's just an approach over all those things where you would like to win at. Part of his strategy is this thing, this picking and picking. So it might work something like this. You think you get up in the morning and you have a job. Let's, let's, say, let's pretend we have a job. That's a fun, for some of us, Paul, that's a fun idea. Let's have a job. So then you decide you're going to go to your job. And what, by the way, side note, we probably should be pretty grateful for our jobs. I'm just saying we should probably, and by the way, for those of you who are not grateful for your income or for the job, it, you may not have the perfect job, but, but I, it it was helpful to me some years ago to go to a third world country and watch them try to make, do life. It made me, when I came back to America, be like, I'm really grateful for this place. So that's just a little side note. I just like, it, it changed my perspective. Let's just say you got, a, you got a job. We should be probably grateful. We're going to go there. Make a, but it's easy to, on the way to, instead of be grateful, to start having things go off in our minds like this, or questions. Is it really worth going today? My wage really should be higher, and my boss is kind of a knucklehead. And the economy struggles, or it stinks, and does God really care? And my throat feels a little scratchy this morning, and I probably have cancer, and I'm going to die anyway. And or do you know how you can just start to just, just pick? And some of that... Just it's good to be aware that the, part of the enemy's plan is just to prosecute and to question and to, to I thought of this, this is pretty random, but it came to my mind when I was at this point just preparing. And you may have heard this, <laughs> you may have heard this phrase. 
Every party has a pooper. That's why we invited you. Do you remember that? Does anybody remember that from, or was that just a only sex? I mean, right? No? How many of you have never heard every party has a pooper? That's why we invited you. Party pooper. Hey! Party pooper. Hey! That, no one? Oh, you're kidding. It's a real saying. It's in the, it's in the Bible. If you go to... If you go to Second Opinions, <laughs> chapter 14. Okay. It's not true. It's not in the Bible. But I was thinking about the enemy, and maybe you've been in a situation where like, things are pretty good, and then someone comes along, and they just tend to, they, they just are that person who no matter what good is going on, they try to, they throw a wrench in it. And that is not a bad picture of the plan of the enemy of our soul. That's what he does. I was thinking of Genesis chapter 3. God had just finished the creation. Everything is good. And the enemy shows up three chapters in. And as soon as the enemy shows up, within four or five verses, everything's get real, everything gets real messy and ugly. If you want to explore a book, it's called Job. It's kind of right in the center of the Bible. And it starts with this incredible picture of this man's life. To me, it sounds like the beginning of a Walt Disney story musical cartoon thing. Here's what it says. It says, in the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. And he, owned and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, and a large number of servants. He was the great, <laughs> this is where it feels like Disney, he was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Doesn't that sound like, wow, this is really cool. And if you get just a little bit into the chapter, the introduction of a conversation with the devil and God. And in long story short, from the moment the enemy shows up, it shifts into 40 chapters of pretty much misery. It's a good picture to remember when we consider our enemy. He throws a wrench, and his desire is to pick and, and make things miserable. I want to make this a little more practical. So how does he do it? I'm going to give you three ideas. These are not fill in the blanks, but you may want to make a note. First thing to, to consider is negative questions. Just negative, doubtful questions. This is what he used in Genesis chapter 3, the first uh, thing that comes out of his mouth when the serpent was trying to deceive and mess up Adam and Eve. It goes like this. He says, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? That's how it got started, with a question. By the way, the question includes a lie. Because God never said that. It's just a twist. So watch out for those doubtful questions. And by the way, sometimes these can come through people, right? Oh, do you really want to do that? Do you, does that make sense? So watch out for those doubtful questions that tear at your spiritual life or at, at your, okay? Second idea uh, is smaller-minded people. I'm trying to do this as respectfully as I can, but smaller-minded people. 
can be used to share thoughts that really are not godly at all and could be from the enemy. In Matthew chapter 20, I'm sorry, Matthew 16, it says that Jesus turned to one of his disciples, whose name was Peter. He turns right to Peter, and he says, Get behind me, Satan. Isn't that something? Just looks right at Peter, has, is saying some stuff. He says, Get behind me. So who's he? he's addressing? The enemy is present, speaking through Peter. Get behind me, Satan. And he says, You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. That's why I said smaller-minded people. When you think, and when I think, when we think, I'm going to do this great thing for God, or I'm going to do this great thing for my kids, or I'm going to do this great thing for other people, watch out for the smaller-minded people who will give you reasons to not do the great thing because they'll be thinking too self-centered or too merely human. They'll, does that? So, I mean, you know, you... you uh, um, I made the announcement that we're going to try to do swimming lessons for the children of the, at the community at the community center. Because right, right. So you may imi- initially think, oh, I could help with swimming lessons, like I could do snacks, or I could might help with this or the pool, or I could, you know, like I would like to help affect the lives of maybe eight or ten or twenty kids whose life is way harder than mine. I should do that. And a smaller-minded person will come to you and say, now, wait a minute, we're talking about four Tuesdays. I don't know if it'll be on Tuesday. Are you sure you want to give up four Tuesdays? Like, it's going to be two hours. <laughs> or what, Do you know how, the, this is how it works, though. Or they'll say, remember, your freckles really pop when you're in the sun. <laughs> do you really want to do that? Or the chlorine and the hair? Or can I just run through a scenario with you? What if one of the kids, I'm just saying, trips over your flip-flop, and then they start to blame you? What kind of insurance do you have? Oh, wait, now it got really quiet in the room. Oh, wait, so like what? Oh, yeah, you could end up with nothing, because they're going to take you to court all over your flip-flop, because you know how it works. So listen, so listen, You better protect yourself from those kids and all swimming pools. (laughs) Bar yourself in the house. Because this is not make, I mean, it's, you're kidding, but I'm not kidding because there are, oh, I almost got really aggressive there for a moment. Listen, you guys, whenever we decide we're going to live outside of ourselves, financially, physically, spiritually. We're going to start caring about other people. The devil will run at us, oftentimes through people, and try to stop you from doing the very thing God has created you to do, which is to love and care and make a difference in other people's lives. The devil will fight that. And sometimes, too often, it comes through, I'm not even going to call them well-minded, well, well-meaning people. That, you know, I don't know that we know we get used by the enemy, but it's merely human concerns. One more practical thing to watch out for is an ultra-critical system. I gotta hit this quick. Ultra-critical system. I just saw an example of this this week. I was 
watching the Today Show, just kind of, it was just on, and uh, I saw that they were interviewing a pastor. His name is Brian Houston. He pastors a church in Australia, and it's a pretty big and, you know, successful church. Uh, a little bit about the church. Uh, they have locations in 30 countries. They have global attendance on a weekend of 150,000 people. Their music, which they're primarily known for, is sung by 50 million people in 60 languages. So that, by the way, that's not a bad, that's probably some pretty good stuff happening in the world because of this guy's been trying to lead this for 30 years, right? 50, how many, 50 million people singing songs, trying to honor the creator of the world. They're like, that's not a bad thing. Been doing this for 30 years. They're interviewing him on the Today Show because of a moral failure in his staff. And you know what came to my mind in the midst of it? Where have you been, Today Show, for 30 years while this ministry has probably been through hard days, tough times, working hard, all that, right? We don't, we don't often, right, report on all that. That doesn't hit the press, all the great things, but in the midst of one, and by the way, does it matter that somebody had a moral failure? Yes, but come on. And I think, it's just me, oh no, some of you will agree, we're living in a system right now that has become so ultra-critical about so many things. And I'm submitting to you, you know who's behind a bunch of it? There's an enemy of our soul who's trying to screw up our life, make everything negative. Let me, I've been wanting to read this verse for many months and uh, haven't been able to wedge it into a talk, but I'm going to now. Matthew 7, 3 says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And I, before we move on, please do not just apply this to the world out there, you know, all those evil people that are not in church today. Because you know what I thought of as I'm thinking of this? Oh God, help me not to be the critical, help me not to be like that. It is so easy to sit around and be the critical, ultra-critical person over stuff. And I, I, that's, there. Let's hit one more point. The enemy attacks also with an emphasis on committed Christians. We're going to hit this in four minutes. Ready? Ha! Going to try. Four and a half minutes. Committed Christians. This is the idea that if you decide you're going to follow Jesus, the enemy, in some measure, works harder to fight against you. From our text, it says in verse 17, the dragon went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Now, to balance this, is the devil mean to everyone? Yes. Does he put extra emphasis on us if we decide to pursue Jesus, love our neighbor, be generous with our finances, worship God, pray for the kids in the neighborhood, all those things? 
he ramps it up to try to push back against you. Fill in the blank. If we are serious, seriously serving, what is it if we seriously serve Jesus? The enemy will significantly stir up trouble. If we not just try to make it through the week, but make a difference this week, just know that the enemy or one of his spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms may be assigned to you to push back against what you're trying to do. If you decide you're going to pray, no, like really pray about something, just know the enemy will go, hmm, need to, need to, can we bring some prosecutorial junk toward that person to derail them from praying that stuff? Because if they keep praying that stuff, then that's going to change something. And so he will potentially attack. When we decide to be generous, not just with ourselves, but with other people in situations. The enemy who's not stupid knows, can we distract that person? Can we do something in that life so that they will not be generous to try to help the poor? Or, this, you know, oh no, that person's not living just for themselves. Can someone please make them more selfish? And so the idea, the word of encouragement here is just, if you decide you're going to live for Christ and be serious, here, live ready for a fight. Like, that's the thing. Just be ready for a fight. Jesus never said that when we uh, come and follow me and everything will be easy. That's not what he said. By the way, I wouldn't trade the, the kingdom of God for anything. But if anybody says, wow, is it great? I mean, well, yeah, but it's hard. Does that make sense? You decide when you step up and say, I'm going to move into a covenant relationship with another person that's going to last for the rest of my life. It's called marriage. Oh, well, that'll be sweet. Well, yeah, most of the time, but sometimes it will be hard. I mean, not with my wife because she's perfect. But I mean, for some of you, <laughs> does, does that make sense? Like when, you, when we decide we're going to do this stuff, Every once in a while, oh, I'm not going to go there because I said, oh, we're done. My four minutes is over. How long did I say? Three minutes? Four and a half? Four and a half. I have 18 seconds. Fill in this blank. Here's a question. Will I follow Jesus even when I take some hits? That's a great question. And the encouragement there is do it. Do it. Keep fighting even though there's an enemy Stand, and we're going to close in prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless, and see you next time.